0: Welcome to Hope for the Heart. I'm so thankful that uh, you're joining me tonight, even if you have not been following along and or you're one of the ones that is returning. Uh, we're in the book of Revelation, and we're in chapter 8 of the book of Revelation. And I know even as I say that, I can't believe I've already gone through seven chapters. But we're in chapter 8 tonight, and so for a point of uh, attention tonight and so a point of reference I want you to look at chapter 8. I'm going to read verses 1 through 5, and then we're going to discuss this. I'm hoping I can finish verses 1 through 5, and then uh, begin verse 6 next, next time. So look at uh, the Bible with me and, and invite you to open and turn to Revelation chapter 8. And I will be reading beginning in verse 1. And so uh, with that in mind, if you're following along, verse 8, or chapter 8, verse 1, the Word of God reads, And when he broke the seventh seal, there was silence in heaven for about half an hour. And I saw the seven angels who stand before God, and seven trumpets were given to them. And another angel came and stood at the altar holding a golden censer, and much incense was given to him that he might add it to the prayers of all the saints upon the golden altar which was before the throne. And the smoke of the incense with the prayers of the saints went up before God, out of the angel's hand, and the angel took the censer and he filled it with the fire of the altar and threw it to the earth. And there followed peals of thunder, and sounds, and flashes of lightning, and an earthquake. This is a passage uh, that I think probably needs to be dealt with because, at first reading, it seems to be confusing. And I think most any time we go to any of the functions of the high priest in the Old Testament, we tend to get confused because we just don't understand a lot of that. And so I want to deal tonight with this particular passage in a way that I hope is simple, I hope it's understandable, and yet I hope it's very foundational so as we begin to look at these judgments being poured out that we can uh, have a, a good grip on this. So as you know, we've been looking through these... Uh, chapters, uh, chapters 1 through 7, and we've been going through these seals the last two chapters. And we are now in, if you'll notice, in chapter 8, verse 1, it says, And when he broke the seventh seal. So we're on the seventh seal. The first five seals, you'll remember, are are, uh, uh, false peace was the first seal, war, and then famine, death, and then the uh, fifth seal was vengeance, Vengeance was uh, we illustrated by the prayers of the martyrs that were already in heaven. And by the time you go through these five seals, first five seals, I think it's good to realize that millions of people across the earth have already been killed. In fact, it's even indicative of the fifth seal of that multitude that's in heaven. They died during this time as well. And so we have millions of people who have been uh, living on the earth that have been killed. These are after the rapture. So th- none of these people went, obviously, through the rapture. Even those that were in heaven in, in the fifth seal and in the sixth seal uh, or at the beginning of chapter 7 are, are, are believers that became believers after the rapture and then died and went to heaven. We, we uh, brought that to the forefront last week by giving the title uh, From Death to Glory. And so this time, uh, my title is A Calm Before the Storm. And uh, I want you to see the calm first. The calm is found in chapter 8, verse 1. He broke the seventh seal, and it says there was silence. And some of your translations say silence, and some do say uh, there's a calmness. There was a calmness or a a pause in heaven for about half an hour. That's the calm. And then the storm is everything that follows after that, particularly in verse 5. It says an uh, angel took the censer and he filled it with the fire of the altar, threw it to the earth, and there followed peals of thunder and sounds and flashings of lightning and an earthquake. Well, I think that's what we're going to see is the storm, so therefore I'm calling this a calm before the storm. But it's interesting to note that this is following a pattern here uh, of of of, of, re- of revealing God is revealing his judgment upon the earth. And so as we enter chapter 8, The judgment or the fury of the Lord has already begun. It's not starting in 8. It has already started with the very first seal. So verse 1, I believe that this seventh seal is best understood to contain all of the final judgments. And that's hard to understand. But I look at it like this. If you were to have a piece of paper rolled up and it had seven stamps on it, or I say stamps because of a seal, was over and you peel back the seal. So we just think of it as, as, say, in our day we would probably say stamps. Like you take the first stamp off and it was revealed what was written on this scroll or on this paper, which was the piece or the false piece that was to come. And then you take it on and you follow it on through the second seal, the third, the fourth, the fifth. But when you get to the seventh seal, which is where we are in chapter 8, it's different. I believe it's described uh, by the way of judgment is an earthquake and the angel throws this and we see this tremendous judgment. I'm I'm convinced that it's best understood to include within that seventh seal the seven trumpet judgments which will follow immediately after we uh, finish this section and the seven bowl judgments which will follow that a little later in the book of Revelation. So the first, first six seals were somewhat simple. This seventh seal... Uh, is to say that opened, the, the first six were are simple and directly described, but this one is much more complex. The first seemed to be opened in a moment, and this one is actually opened in a moment, which leads to 14 other judgments. So in other words, this seal, when it is removed, you see these other judgments coming into the forefront or into the focus So it's much more complex, and it seems to fit as the judgments begin to mount in speed, power, and devastation. And so I want to stop right here and just remind those of you who are listening that the earth, people on earth at this time, uh, do not realize what's going on, obviously, in heaven, just like we we don't know what's going on in heaven right now. Well, the people on earth don't know, but yet they're waking up, or they're trying to sleep, or they're... They're going outside or go, going to work or they're living their life. And the world is in massive chaos with the judgments that are already happening. Because, you know, we saw in the first five seals, you've got famine, you've got war, you've got hunger, you've got pestilence, you've got all these people are dying. And it's just, it's, it's chaos. And so the world is is going to seem out of control and it's very much in control. God is very much in control. And so I believe the first five seals take us past the midpoint of the tribulation period. And then it takes us three and a half, four years maybe. We don't really know the time frame. And we're well into the second half, the time known as the Great Tribulation, that all of these in chapter 8 and, and following happen. But once the seventh seal is open, and out of it comes trumpets and bold judgments. Trumpets are seven, bold judgments are seven. It's going to take place, uh, it's going to take time for these to develop. So I think, that, even, and this is what I meant a while ago, when the, the others were very simple and in a moment. This, when, when this is open, it could take one to two years for all of these to happen. And that's the thing that we can't t- seem to relate to, is the time frame. For example, chapter nine, in verse ten, there's a description of what happens with just one trumpet, the fifth trumpet. It says that what happens involves scorpions, and we're going to explain what that is. It stings, and that with with stings, and their tails have power to hurt men for five months. And it tells us that the blowing of the trumpet and the effect of this trumpet judgments is going to stretch out over five months, probably longer, with the devastation and the torment that's going to be happening. So when the seventh seal is opened and the judgments begin, they're going to take days, weeks, and months before they're completed. So we don't know exactly the timetable. In other words, what I'm saying is, it's not like a, an afternoon thunderstorm uh, in the summertime that that, that just pours. And, just, and These thunderstorms can get violent. You can have an, an hour of just violence and thunder and lightning and, and possibly even... Strong winds or even a tornado drop down. And then suddenly the skies are clear and it's over. I don't think this is ever going to actually really be over during the three and a half years of the Great Tribulation Period. I don't think it's ever going to be really over. It seems to be reasonable to assume you go through the seventh seal, the seventh seal is open. You have trumpets, you have the are blown, you have seven bowls, so they really last. Uh, they really last uh, over a period of time. But the last fourteen judgments, the bowls and the trumpets, are contained within this last seal. That's how important this last seal is. When it says in in chapter eight verse one, and when he broke the seventh seal, there's so much there uh, that we have to look at. So, but here is the opening of the seventh seal, and this is the last seal on this little scroll, this little paper that we were talking about and I believe it equates with the title deed of the universe sealed in order that there might be no revelation of what is contained in it. And then opened, and the revelation of, of not only what is in there, but the actual action begins to take place as it is opened. So you have the seventh seal, and as it is opened, uh, this is what we're going to see. And so I want you to see this. Uh, in hopefully a very simple outline. It's got four points. They all begin in P, and the first one is the pause. It's found in verse 1. I want you to see this. Uh, The simple word is is, uh, silence. It gives us here, when he broke the seventh seal, there was silence in heaven for about half an hour. The one who broke the seventh seal is the lamb. He's mentioned in verse 17. Uh, Here, Uh, He is the one who took the scroll out of the Father's hand of the throne much earlier, and the one who is the heir of the universe. He is the one who is breaking open the seal. That's why in your version of the Bible, it says He. See, this is, and when He, is in capital letters. So it's meaning the Lord Jesus breaks this seal. The six judgments are passed. The seventh one is opened. The Lamb and the Lord Jesus, the heir of the universe, breaks open that seal. And this begins to happen. All of this begins to happen. The first thing is that there is a pause or a silence in heaven. And this is, is, is very important for us to understand that just before this happens, we were in chapter 7. And when you look at chapter 7 and all that's going on in heaven, particularly in verses 9 through 17, you have a very noisy heaven it's very noisy. Uh, some angels and men have been noisy, but God has not been silent. Now God is about to speak in the full fury of his judgment. And so there is a pause. There's a stop. A hush comes over uh, over heaven. So when the Lamb opens this last seal, all those in heaven, if you want to see who that is... You go back to chapter 7 and look at verses 9 through 17, and you see millions upon millions and millions and millions, angels and people in, in heaven. So the final judgment is about to be unleashed. There's no more seals. The scene in heaven has been very noisy. Uh, in fact, God likes noise. We, we see that so many times in the, in the scriptures. Loud singing and praising for the living beings have been praising him. Twenty-four elders have been singing of the praise of God the Father and the Lamb. Innumerable angels. There's been harps. There's been thunder. Angels have been uh, speaking. There's an awful lot of noise and praise in heaven. And so we see this. And so I think this silence is a silence that really, when you take this word and look at it, it is a, a pause uh, or awe, or reverence. It is the the silence of awe. It is the silence of anticipation of a grim reality of what is coming, and as it is also a joyous reality of the exaltation uh, exaltation of Christ and the devastation of Satan and sin. That half hour of silence is the calm before the storm. That's why I named it that. It is truly a calm. Before this storm, the silence uh, is, is something I, I can't imagine. Heaven, silent. But it is. That's what it says here. And it's interesting that John measures time being in heaven because we know there's no time in heaven. So he's relating to the earth and it just seemed like half an hour, absolute silence in a large crowd like that. It would be almost a deadly silence as we would phrase it here on earth. But the margin of suspense and expectancy seems to us brief, but it must have seemed to him very long. Some have even suggested that this brief half hour uh, for more uh, uh, is, is, is given so that the earth can just relate to this. But in heaven is where we are, and we're seeing this is happening in heaven. So the greatest event since the fall of Adam is about to come to pass. It is so stunning, it is so glorious, it is so right, it is so fulfilling, it is so satisfying that heaven stands in utter stillness of all the praise and is absolutely silent, meaning the hour has finally come, the saints are to be vindicated, Satan is to be conquered, sin is to be punished, and Christ is to be exalted. That's what I think when we see this verse 1. The pause or the silence of anticipation there. So number two, not only is there a pause in heaven, but there's also a preparation. The preparation is found in verse 2, and look at what it says. I saw the seven angels who stand before God, and seven trumpets were given to them. They're not to to blow the trumpets yet. The seven uh, angels are to, they're given the trumpets. So here's another component in this, awesome scene here are the angels that john sees seven of them the angels always seem to play an important part and in fact these are not just any seven angels but notice that they're described i saw the seven angels who stand before god there is a definite article there which is kind of interesting it seems to indicate that there's a unique group of angels uh it, it, there's people that have all kinds of speculation on that. But these angels have been worshiping God since the time of their creation. And the definite article uh, seems to make a unique statement. Who stand before God uh, is, is telling us something. Now remember the angels are divided into ranks and orders. The New Testament talks about angels who, have, who are power. Some of them are called principalities. And we see words like rulers and dominions that we find. And then we find cherubim, seraphim, uh, archangels. We find varying ranks and orders of angels. And we don't know how they t- typically relate. We know that the cherubim uh, are, are very high. And we, we know some by some verses that, that we come across that tell us some of the ranks and which of these ranks seem to be high. But there's a possibility that we can identify a present angel maybe one of the seven and i want to give you a verse it's uh, found in luke chapter 1 verse 19 and listen to what it says you don't have to turn there but just listen to what luke 1:19 says it says the angel answered and said to him i am gabriel who stands in the presence of god basically the same notion there, of Gabriel's, noted as the seven, one of the seven, may be uh, one of these. Because listen to what it says of this in, in verse 2 of Revelation chapter 8. I saw the seven angels who stand before God. These seems to indicate these seven stand there. And then Luke 1.19 seems to indicate that Gabriel, perhaps, is one of those seven it's almost like Gabriel is identifying himself uh, himself as an exalted angel by saying, I'm one of the angels who stands in the presence of God. Then these seven must also be high-ranking angels. And so they are standing there in preparation. They have been given, and it says this, standing before God, and seven trumpets were given to them. They didn't already have seven trumpets and just walking around with trumpets around their waist and carrying them with some kind of rope. These trumpets are used and we can go, if we had time, we'd go through the whole Bible because trumpets are mentioned some 87 times in the Old Testament being announcements of a great battle. Uh, there are announcements of uh, calling an assembly together or a people coming together. Trumpets are used in the book of Revelation. Revelation. Also to hail the fall of Babylon uh, that we're going to see a little later on. Trumpets have many uses in the Bible. And it's almost always that this historic use of of the word trumpets being blown uh, we see in the book of Revelation. So these seven angels hold seven trumpets and each wind blown will unleash a specific judgment. That's the scary part. That's the part that earth has no idea what's going on. But when they're given these seven angels, we don't realize they're preparing to blow these seven angels. And so listen to what it says, just a brief preview. When the first angel sounds his trumpet, hail and fire mixed with blood are thrown to the earth. That's just one trumpet? Wow, can you think about what earth will be receiving when that one trumpet is blown? And then the second angel sounds a trumpet. We're going to start looking at this uh, next week. When the second angel sounds, something like a great mountain burning with fire was thrown into the sea, uh, and a third of the angel sounds or th- sounds, and a, and a great star fell from heaven or falls from heaven like a burning torch. And then the fourth angel sounds and a third of the sun, and the third of the moon and a third of the stars are smitten so that a third of them might be darkened, and the day might not shine for a third of it, and the night in the same way. Man, this is unbelievable what we're seeing with these trumpets. And so when they're standing there, these seven angels, they are in full uh, preparation for what is about to happen. And they know because this seventh seal has been peeled and they know what's written there. And that is why it is a a seal and an awe or a pause of of, uh, anticipation as to what's coming. Verse 13, the sixth angel sounds, and I heard the voice of the four horns of the golden altar, or, or, or sounds. I heard a voice from the four horns of the golden altar, and a great army is gathered, and an army of 200 million. Uh, and that's found in chapter 9. Chapter 11, verse 15, the seventh angel sounds, and there are loud voices crying, With the kingdom of worlds become the kingdom of our Lord. And the seventh uh, standing or sounding comes from those final seven bold judgments. And then we, we look at what those are, and it's unbelievable the preparation here. So we see the pause in heaven is because of the anticipation, and then verse uh, the verse two of this chapter eight, the preparation uh, these angels are ready, they're ready to sound these trumpets. But then I want you to notice number three the third the third word that we, that we have in our outline is found in verse three in another angel. A stood at the altar, holding a golden censer, and an incense was given to him that he might add to it the prayers of all the saints upon the golden altar, which was before the throne. So here, the key word here is prayers. The first word is pause. Second word is preparation. Third word is prayers. This third word, prayers, is is is, is actually an amazing thing. Here's another angel. He's doing a very interesting thing. He's standing at the altar and he's holding a golden censer, which would be. Uh, on some kind of a rope or a chain, and much incense is given to him that he might add it to the prayers of all the saints upon the golden altar which was before the throne. And so you have two altars there, and you have typically a priest would go to the brazen altar and he would take with the tongs out of the brazen altar hot, fiery coals and he would put them in the censer, which was just a little instrument by which he could transport these flaming coals. We see a ritual similar to this in the Catholic Church. He would fill the little censer with the coals, and he would take it to the golden altar, which was the altar of incense, and he would put those coals on the altar in incense, mixed with the incense, and they would rise. And the smell of the incense would rise to the nostrils of God as if to be symbolically speaking for and laying out all of the prayers of the people. This angel is functioning... Like an Old Testament priest, he's standing there at the altar. He's got the golden censer in his hand, and some have even said because of the, the the priestly work that's being happening here that it must be Jesus Christ. But I don't think that best fits the interpretation of this passage. I don't think it is the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, Jesus has a separate uh, identification. Totally, he is the Lamb. Uh, he is referred to as the Lamb in the center of the throne. And yet these are identified specifically as angels. And so everywhere you find Jesus appearing in the Revelation, he is clearly identified as the Alpha and the Omega. He is Jesus Christ. He is referred to as the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead, or the ruler of the kings. Uh, He is the Son of Man. He is the first and the last, the resurrected one, the Son of God. All these are titles. And so I don't think him ever to be called an angel. I I just think that's a poor rendering of, of this but but this high priest's function is what this angel is doing, and he's symbolizing the accumulated prayers of all the saints. Notice the word "all" there" in verse three, uh, given to him that he might add to it the prayers of all the saints upon the golden altar which were before the throne. Now this is not all those who think they're saints; this is not all those who have been declared saints by some religious activity. These are saints, the true born-again people. And it says all of the prayers, all of the saints, all of the prayers of the saints that have gone up, that's going up, calling Christ to come, uh, and they are accumulated. Verse 4, and the smoke of the incense with the prayers of the saints went up before God out of the angel's hand. The residue that he still had in the censer, he went in, did what he was to do at the golden altar, and still had a residue in the censer. This is from the priestly function. There's still some fiery coals and some burning incense, and it's still in his hand. And the sense of anticipation as this prayer rises, it's rising off the golden altar, and it's even rising out of the censer. And that's just laying for us this. But the next one is the one that begins to identify this. So here's the fourth word in this outline is power. The first word is pause, verse 1. Verse 2 is the word preparation, the angels having the trumpets in preparation to blow them. Verse 3 of the prayers of all the saints praying have been accumulated. And then verse, or verse number 4 is power. And so this final word, power, is a word that I want to bring to your attention because here is a a, a storm. This very fourth word, power, meaning verses 4 and 5, really, really just verse 5, is a word that could be used for storm, and that's why I called it a calm before the storm. This is the storm. Here comes the divine firestorm, as one writer puts it. This angel, watch what he does. He takes the censer, which is still smoldering and smoking, and he filled it with the fire of the altar. He filled it full and threw it to the earth. Now, imagine that. He throws it to the earth, and there were followed peals of thunder and sounds and flashes of lightning and an earthquake, it says. Now, this sixth seal, or seventh seal, is an accumulation of all these next trumpets and bowls. And so when this happens, we're seeing a picture of all that is going to be happening. There's another description in heavenly terms that's given to us. It says, as the trumpet is blown, we read a few moments ago, we see other things smashing and crashing. Remember, I gave you just a little bit of the preview of some of the trumpets. And here's this flaming ball coming out of heaven, smashes the earth like a celestial comet, like a meteor or, or, or something of that kind of a magnitude, representing full destruction and power of God being displayed. Now imagine being on earth and seeing that. What must that look like? How must that might not be fearful of, of people? I mean, the, the, you know the fear that is going to. In fact, we even read in Luke where it causes people to literally die of a heart attack. And so this powerful angel hurls this thing out of heaven, and it crashes into the earth. And you know what's amazing connection here? I want you to get this. That sensor in the angel's hand is incredibly linked to the prayers of those people, isn't it? Because where did the angel get the fire? He went in there with the added incense and the flaming coals and put it in mixed it with the prayers of all the saints already going on, and when it got all mixed together, he then reaches in and took some out and put it on the censer, and the scripture is saying is this, this final tremendous judgment that is hurled to the earth in the seventh seal is a direct response to the prayers of God's people. Think about that. A direct connection between the prayers Of God's people. And this judgment. You think prayer isn't powerful? It is in response to the prayers of God's people. He will hear. And shows us he does hear. He does respond to those prayers. And the prayers of the saints. And judgment will fall. How amazing. That the prayers of the saints become the fiery comet. That strikes the earth. The following uh, they're following peals of thunder and sounds and flashes of lightning in an earthquake. That's probably going to be a very frightening thing on earth. Well, what about this earthquake? Well, there's really no description. It just kind of throws it in. I want you to see that. Uh, peals of, in verse 5 of chapter 8 in Revelation, peals of thunder, sounds and flashes of lightning, and then it says this, and an earthquake. Chapter 6, verse 12, describes a great earthquake. It would be to what I believe, equal to that is as being in surprise and destructiveness. A terrible, terrifying earthquake. This is what the world has to look forward to. And you, you have, I have to ask myself as I, as I close out this section, and we're going to begin to answer this question, why aren't more people saved? And that, that is a got to be a question of all time. How come there are still people in unbelief? How many judgments, how much destruction, how much fear and judgment coming directly out of heaven? It's going to be pretty obvious that this is coming out of heaven. How much does it take to cause people to repent? That's our question. We're going to leave it with that question, and we're going to begin answering that question. So for now, this is William Rogers, and you've been listening to Hope for the Heart, a verse-by-verse study of the book of Revelation, and I pray that you'll join with us next time as we uh, continue in chapter 8, and we will continue looking at these trumpets as they're blown and these judgments. So for now, uh, continue to read your scriptures, stay up with it, and we will talk next time. Thank you.